Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we're going to start off with Bears Scat trivia today. Ready, Jim? Yeah, what do you got? Okay. What city is Jay Cutler from? Santa Claus. Santa Claus! Merry Christmas! Santa Claus is coming to town. The most jolly guy I can think of, Jay Cutler. <laughs> That's what we're going to be doing the whole time. We're going to be telling bears jokes to avoid having to talk about the actual bears. <laughs> That's a good um, idea. Ah, no, unfortunately, we have to talk about the team. Uh, before we get into it, follow us on Twitter at bears underscore scat. And we're here to break down the bears' third mathematically impossible loss of the season. <laughs> not, not, not of the decade, of the season. And this one, especially to me, kind of just felt like the end of a lot of things. First of all, it was obviously the end of whatever playoff hopes the Bears maintained this year. And I know that was pretty unlikely, but the players have been talking about a big game about winning out and getting to the seventh wild card spot. That's off the table now, most likely. And to me, it also felt like the end of this quarterback and coach combo. And we've been talking all year about every possible scenario and, I think we've talked ourselves in and out of all of the different permutations of who would and wouldn't be back. But to me, just the combination of how bad the offense looked again and the poor play calling again, and then the defense breaking down in no small part to like one of the most inexplicable defensive play calls I've ever seen when you've got the three technique out in coverage on third and 15 in a critical moment. Like to me, this game kind of just felt like the straw that breaks the camel's back on all of it. I don't know if that's how you felt, but that's how I was feeling after the game ended. Yeah. Um, ditto. <laughs> I mean, so it, it, I mean, all of those things are right and you're right. Um, we have gone through about every permutation that, uh, that has come along and, they're all bad. Uh, you know, it, it. we've got to this point where now we just wait and see what polls is going to do. Because obviously, and this is really since the beginning of the season, um, but now it's reached a hard spot where polls is going to be forced to make a hard decision and... As you mentioned, it felt like things kind of were finito uh, on Sunday and that that decision just got easier. Yeah, I think so. And our decision is right. And any which way you go about it could potentially have a, a terrible answer, right? Like yeah. if they traded Justin Fields to whomever, the Steelers or the Falcons or any of the teams that we talked about, and he turns out to play great there and whatever you, quarterback you replace him with is mediocre, then that gets you fired. But if you keep fields and it's more of the same and you pass on Caleb Williams and then he gets drafted by 
the Patriots in his grade, then that gets you fired too. So there's definitely reasonable ways to argue any path that we've talked about. But where I'm at right now is I'm just ready for this season and just this whole thing to be over. And I just, I just want to see what they decide to do. And I think the most likely outcome is coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback are all gone. But if they choose to go a different path, then I'll give Foles and Warren the benefit of the doubt that whatever they've thought through in their evaluation was sound and a good thought process. But I'm just I'm, I'm ready to be done with it now. I'm, I'm ready to get through these last three games of the season and then see what the outcome is, because it's just so painful to go through it with this group and just to have another loss where you get three turnovers and you have every opportunity to win the game. And then somehow you let Joe Flacco off the mat <laughs> with 10 minutes left. In the it's game. hilarious and sad at the same time. Yeah, it's just, it's enough. It's enough with all of this. And to me, I've, think Matt, if Matt Eberflus gets fired, he's earned it. And, you know, you might feel a little bit bad for him, but he's also going to get paid a lot of money not to coach. So th- this has nothing to do for me about, like, what's fair or who's maybe earned another shot. It's, can you find somebody better? Like, this is the National Football League, and I certainly think you can find somebody better. And you're going to have an opportunity to find a quarterback that can be better. And you're going to have an opportunity to find a coach that's going to be better. And I think that's what they're going to do. And I I take no joy in saying that because nobody's cheered harder and wanted Justin Fields to succeed more than me as a fan. But it's just not working. And, you know, he he makes plays that you others can make, like the touchdown throw to Komet. There's not that many quarterbacks in the league that can make that throw. The throw to Tanyan that got dropped. That's a great throw. Like, he makes spectacular plays, but also the offense just doesn't score points. Yeah. They had one touchdown, one offensive touchdown in this game, and it was when they were given the ball on the one-yard line, and it took them, like, 75 tries to get in. <laughs> so, it's just, I'm tired of excuses for why the Bears' offense can't score points. Yeah. That's been my entire life, whether it's, Justin Fields or Mitch Trubisky or Jay Cutler or any other mediocre quarterback that's come through here. It's just, it's enough. Find a way to get it right so that we can get this offense into this century of NFL football. Yeah. um, They, they settle for field goals uh, way too much, um, way too many uh, three and outs. Uh, far too, uh, Justin Fields and holding the ball too long has been a problem since day one, and it doesn't seem any better. Um, I, I do appreciate the fact that uh, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, um, but at the same he time, <laughs> there there are more than a few that um that got escaped especially over the last few weeks uh but his his completion percentage in the last two games is about 50 percent you can't you can't as a starting quarterback in the nfl you can't have a 50 percent completion rate that's that's not acceptable um you you need to be at at least 63 
And that's, by the way, that's Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler is 63%. So um, while it certainly uh, is, uh, he, he it, in my opinion, there's no question that Fields got screwed. Um, he got screwed directly uh, by Matt Nagy. And, um, and it, the, the current regime, uh, I, I thought that Luke Getze might be some help uh, because of his work with 12. He obviously uh, was not prepared for the job. He, I, I don't, whatever it takes to be at the level of offensive coordinator for a team in the NFL, whatever experience and knowledge it takes to do that job, he doesn't have it. And he certainly didn't have it when they selected him to take that job. He he has seemed like he has been learning on the job the entire time and that maybe he's now through making every mistake that you can has gotten to the point where maybe he knows a little bit better now, but he, he, he still every single game, there's, there's multiple plays where they're like, what what is that? What why why did you do that? And like, and he and he always has a you know a, a, a petty excuse. I'll give you an explanation. That's for <laughs> sure. And typically, the explanation doesn't involve saying that I screwed something up. It's always on the players. But yeah, I mean, perfect example when critical play in this Browns game, the third and one where they run the jet sweep to Tyler Scott that just gets completely blown up. It's another example of a huge play on offense and it's East West. And we've seen so much of that. And, you know, you say learning on the job, but to me, I I still keep seeing the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. And like, regardless of any individual play that you want to argue about, like I said before, this offense just doesn't score points. And, whether that's on Fields or whether that's on the other offensive players or whether that's on Getze, it's not relevant. It's on everybody. And you've had two years to get this figured out, and you haven't done it. And the one stretch of really good offensive football we saw, you have completely gone away from everything that allowed you to put points on the board. And if you say that's because you don't think it's sustainable, then – that's fine. I can see an argument for that, but also what you're doing now isn't, isn't producing. And if if you want to keep doing it time and time again, it's going to get the same result. And there's always an excuse. We, we go to the Vikings game and the offense looks terrible, but we're like, well, they won and Flores is great. And then you play okay against Detroit. And then you go to face another good defense and uh, Cleveland Browns team that couldn't wait to lose that game and yet completely no show. And I understand that their defense is good, but everybody involved has to do more to get this offense into its second gear. And 
like you said, all game, three and out, three and out, three and out. I think they had 10 three and outs. Yeah. Like, that's just not NFL football. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at some point, everybody involved in it is accountable. Yeah. Um, one of the things I read this week, um, Joe Flacco had 212 yards in the fourth quarter. Justin Fields has had 212 yards or more nine of 34 times in his career. So the entire game. Yeah, the entire game. So Fields by also by far has the worst QBR of fourth quarter of any quarterback in the NFL, and it's not close. Um, his his QBR in the fourth is awful. It's it is it's it's beyond bad. So well, you you can play the game like what if Tunyon catches that ball or what if Mooney catches that ball or what if Mooney catches the hail mary. It's like. Well, you could you could go the other way with that too. I mean, Fields threw two balls that should have been easy picks that just got dropped. And, yeah. You know, what if he loses every fumble that goes on the ground? Like you can play what if all all day long. Like you kind of even out to where you're supposed to be. Right, and that's that's why I brought that up is because those are numbers, and they don't numbers don't play the what if game. They just are, and he again. It's not. It's not us blaming it all on Fields because I, I certainly uh, don't feel that way. But it's like you said. I'm sick of it. I'm over it. It has to change. This is this this is not this is not acceptable anymore. And uh, this coaching staff is not getting their job done that they that they're hired that they're paid a lot of money to do they're not they're not achieving their objectives if, even if this was a regular corporation that department would be fired you know so so you know the the thing is is you have to look at it from the standpoint that we need to get rid of somebody because the objectives are not being achieved and we need to find somebody who can achieve those objectives achieve those objectives and you have a unique opportunity specifically as it relates to quarterback because if the bears were going to be picking seventh in the draft it's a different discussion right but they're not they're likely to be picking first not as likely as they were on uh last saturday thanks a lot arthur smith asshole he's into (laughs) the panthers but still very likely the bears will have the first overall pick and They've got an opportunity to pick the best quarterback in the draft. Like that doesn't happen very often. And they've already passed up on that opportunity once last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bryce Young hasn't played well. That's a whole other story. But they've got an opportunity to get a very, very elite prospect. And I just don't see them passing up on it because I just haven't seen anything from this offense that says that. Justin Fields is ready to take that next step to being a like win because of quarterback. Yeah. He plays well sometimes, but there's just too many games when it's terrible. And he makes a great play 
once or twice a game and everyone jumps out of their seats and screams and is like, how the heck did you do that? Yeah. But there's also way too many just unproductive drives and bad throws and bad sacks and bad decisions. So to me, I think he's had, I think we've had enough of a sample size to know what he is. And because there's an opportunity to get somebody better, I think that's what they're going to do. If they were picking 14th and all the quarterbacks that anyone was interested are gone, it's a different discussion, but that's not the reality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, right along with that is, of course, C.J. Stroud. That that sticks out. Uh, whether that's fair or not, doesn't matter whether it's fair or not. It is. So, um the prospect of having the number one overall pick two years in a row and then not using uh, one of those picks on a quarterback when the quarterback is still a struggling issue, uh, it doesn't it doesn't work. It, it's it, it doesn't calculate out. No, and. One thing that I'm already, I already am just going to say right now that I'm not interested in hearing, like, I don't care if the Bears win these next three games 50 to nothing each. Like, I don't want to hear anything about what happens for the rest of the season when it comes to making a decision because yeah. pressure's off now. The games are meaningless. They've already shown that when the games matter, they find ways to lose. And, I mean, if you think about the... Lions collapse, the Broncos collapse, and this collapse. I believe all three of those, the Bears were greater than 90% likely to win in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And they found a way to lose all three. Like, the probability of losing all three of those games is, like, astronomically small. Like, approaching zero. Yeah. uh, All you calculus students out there. So, it's just... You've shown this team has shown time and time again that when games matter and when the pressure is on, they find ways to lose. And a lot of that, I think, is on coaching. And a lot of it is because when this offense has a chance to put games away, they don't do it. And then we know what happens in the NFL when your team is led by the defense now. When the offense is unproductive all game and it allows the other team to stick around. Eventually, that defense kind of flames out, Mm -hmm. generally. And this was a great example. I mean, the defense got, what, three interceptions this week? Yeah. And and, and one of those was a pick six. Yeah. But in the last five minutes, when the Browns had the momentum and they figured a little something out on offense, I mean, they went through the Bears like a proverbial hot knife through butter on those last (laughs) couple drives. It's it's true. I mean, it was, it was, there was no resistance. I don't know what they were doing on that long touchdown to Amari Cooper. I mean, you just can't let that happen in that situation. And I know what happened on the long pass to Njoku that sealed the game. That was just uh, inexplicably called defense. I just have not heard one rational explanation for why you have Justin Jones in coverage there. But again... The reason that any of this matters is because you had this 
team put to bed, but you just let them hang around and hang around, and eventually they found a way to, to beat you. And that's what good teams do. And the Bears aren't a good team. They, they find ways to lose. Yeah, the, the you know, when it's like you said, you can go and, you know, break down the, uh, the, the individual plays. Um, but at this point, it, it's really moot. It, it doesn't matter. Um, it, the execution isn't there. Uh, of the play calls and the play calls themselves are higher than questionable. Uh, no one can, they, they, it's like you said, they, they have an excuse. They have a reason, uh, why a defensive tackle was in coverage. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It's not good enough. It's not, it's not a good enough reason going into the game. I, I was watching the, um, the preview on NFL.com, and it, the guy pointed out it's uh, they're by Greg Rosenthal on NFL.com. I highly recommend those. Um, but uh, Greg Rosenthal even pointed out there's only two people for Joe Flacco to to throw to, Amari Cooper and David Njoku. I mean, he 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 made he actually was specific about it, and it's like that's the kind of stuff that really gets me because it's like. Wait a second. I know nothing, but I know that. So how do they not know that? You know, I mean, you would have thought that the extra attention would have been paid to those two particular players in that game, especially towards the end, so that we could make sure that they don't move any further down the field. Instead, those two exact players end up being the heroes of the game. Well, and on the Justin Jones play specifically, like I get trying to do something creative in coverage when it's like a rookie or when you're playing against like Tyson Bagent or like just a bad quarterback. <laughs> like you're playing against a 38-year-old veteran that's won a Super Bowl and sure, he's not at the peak of his powers, but he is still able to read a coverage. Yeah. And that's exactly what Njoku said. He said as soon as he saw the defensive tackle drop, he's like, I just knew I could get depth on him, and Flacco saw the same thing, and he floated the ball out there, and there was nobody there. Yeah. And I think st- I think somebody in the secondary did miss a tackle that could have saved 10 yards or so, but the damage Stevenson, was done. Stevenson, I think. That- yeah, I think it was Stevenson. But the damage was already done, and – all you need to know about that defensive play call is listen to the players. I mean, yeah. if you're actually listening carefully, like nobody's come out and said, yeah, coach screwed that up. But if you listen between the lines, they're all just as perplexed as we are with why you'd have Justin Jones Absolutely. dropping back to upwards. Especially because Justin Jones has been doing a good job of getting pressure during the game. Like in a cover, three de- or a cover two defense on third and 15 – Rush four, let him complete an underneath pass, and then wrap up. Yep. I, I, I just I it, it defies logic that they decided to have Jones guarding the center of the field in that in that situation. I just and it, it, if you think back to the last few coaches, for me, there's always a play that stands out as the play that got each coach fired. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when Matt Nagy had Jermaine Effetti blocking Everson Griffin against the Lions, and Everson Griffin sacked Trubisky for a strips fumble or something like that? 
it's a game at Soldier Field, and everyone just looked at each other and were like, yep, that's the play that gets you fired because that was lost six of the six-game losing streak. Like for the, the John, for the John Fox era, it was the challenge that results in a touchback for the oh, other team. Yeah, I remember that one. Like that was the Eberflus one for me, especially because the players were so clearly unhappy with it. Like you just can't make that kind of a call in that situation. If you call your base defense and if Flacco makes a great throw that beats the cover two and picks up the first down on third and fifteen, then you tip your cap. But you well, just people made a still call. blame uh, Chris Conti for the, for for that for that play uh, for the jailbreak play there, which oh, it's yeah. like, um, yeah, okay, he screwed that up. Uh, for one thing, he was a rookie. For another thing, he was up against one of the fastest receivers in the NFL, and it wasn't his decision to do a jailbreak blitz on the play. Yeah, uh, you know so. Um, Lovey decided to run that against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in history against the Blitz. So, you know, uh, it, it, regardless, there's just a, a, you know, we were at the, so we were all hanging out watching the game uh, last Sunday. And one of the things I read last week was, I don't know whether you realize this. I didn't. Um, our punt, our, our punter is dead last. He is number thirty-two in a. I would have guessed her. in in I net, guessed around there in net punt average by two point seven yards, and I was like, "Wow, that is awful." Uh, and he, he, even in gross punt average, he's twenty. Eighth. So, uh, once again, um, I, I I read that, and then we watched this game, and the cover the coverage team. I've been we've been saying this all year, but the coverage team is freaking terrible. I I, I don't get it. I have actually seen stuff, you know, from the talking heads about. Uh, Richard Hightower is this great coach, but it's like, I don't get it because the only thing that's good in our special teams is our kicker. <laughs> and I'm pretty yeah. sure he's not out there coaching the kicker. Yeah, they should be bringing a punter to camp next year to compete with Gail because that's not been good enough. And what was the deal with Trenton Taylor or whatever his name is? He, he's terrible. Like, it's it's it, it what it is is that they had Valus Jones who was terrible and so they went and got somebody else's terrible guy like the one thing he was supposed to do is be able to catch the punt yeah and he muffed two of them in the no, game he, he, he there you know he I think they took him off the, the Bengals practice squad and, you know I mean uh and you know Maybe we're be- beating a dead horse here. I, the only thing I just I didn't realize that Trenton Gill was dead last in in punting uh, in the NFL. And while that may seem like no big deal, um, being a Hawkeye fan, I gotta say, uh, and having the number one punter in the nation there, that that made a big difference for that particular team because they have no offense whatsoever. So. Um, 
maybe that's uh maybe that Hawkeye is going to end up a bear. I I'd certainly like that. But my my point is is it's not nothing I have seen, it makes me believe that there's any growth that's going to happen in the right direction. No, I mean, the defense has played pretty well, but that's, that's all you can point to. And how much, how much of that is Montez sweat? A lot. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of it is having to replace your original defensive coordinator got fired so look the defense playing well is great to me that's not a good enough reason to uh, retain anybody on this coaching staff because I think you can bring somebody in to run this defense competently there's enough talent here now and they've spent enough money and enough draft capital to build up this defense that I'm not worried about getting a coach in here that can run a 4-3 competently. I am much more worried about the direction of the offense because that's just the more important side of the ball in today's game. That's just a reality, and that sucks for Bears fans, but that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, and uh, being at the top of the draft again, uh, having the ability to um, have the new coach uh, weigh in on uh, who his signal caller is going to be. Uh, you have uh, two very highly rated prospects, and then you have another uh, another two right behind them uh, that are uh, very high upside. So uh, with that kind of choice in front of you to me there's just not there's just no room for it to continue trying to make something work when it's not producing any results uh with any consistency whatsoever Um, the other thing is too that i don't think there's a ton more to do on this defense right now honestly like You'd like another edge rusher. You maybe have to replace Eddie Jackson, and you can always have more depth. But yeah. I feel like the defense is in a pretty good spot going into next year. For the most part, they're under contract. For the most part, they're young, which means you can invest heavily in the offense this offseason, both in the draft and in free agency. And that means if you add a new quarterback, they're coming in to a great situation, assuming you get the coach right. Like They're more than likely going to be coming into – a pretty good offensive line, I think. DJ Moore, who's a legit number one, and I think they're going to either draft a receiver highly or give a big contract to Key Higgins or Mike Evans or some compliment to Moore. So I, I think the offense should be pretty stacked going into next year if you want a rookie quarterback. So then if you add the right coach, that's a pretty great situation. But, I mean... I think that the new coach is the critical part of that, right? I mean, yeah. I, I I don't see I, – I have zero faith that Getsy and Eberflus would be able to get the most out of that offense I just described. I think you need somebody that is much more experienced or at least has a better grasp of what it takes to get the most out of your most important players on offense. 
Yeah, and um, it, this, uh, it, it's like you said, this, this current NFL is built for uh, explosive plays. We hear that all the time. And while Fields uh, certainly has shown he's capable of that, there's, there's too much of his basics, his, his foundational play that it's it, for, for too extended of a period of time to make it look like there's something that's going to change there. Yeah, I agree. Um, before we move on, the other player that looks done to me is Darnell Mooney. Yeah. I mean, I I really thought he'd be a nice piece on this offense, but not only is he bad, he just, like, doesn't really even look that interested anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, on the, the jet sweep, or sorry, no, on the fourth and one, where Fields rolled out and he got tackled by the ankles and it was mm-hmm. a turnover on downs, Mooney's got the guy right in front of him, and if he even gives him a half-assed block, that goes for a first down, but he gives, like, one of the biggest Olays I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can also criticize Getsy because I don't know why Mooney would be a lead blocker there. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but, man, Darnell Mooney, for his first couple years, was, like, a high-effort guy, and... I don't know if he's down in the dumps because of the injury or if he just realizes that the last couple of years have cost him a lot of money. I don't know what's going on, but he doesn't seem like he's going to be around either. So that means you're kind of back to you're back to the point where you've got to overhaul the receiving core except for more. Now, having more there helps a lot, but I think you got to add at least two weapons this offseason as opposed to one. I had thought Mooney would maybe be a viable, like, number three, but I I don't see him being around past these next three games. Agreed. I don't uh, – it's like you said, I I don't see a lot uh, a lot of effort there anymore. Um, it, it Whatever has transpired, uh, he doesn't really seem like – like the high effort, like you said, that that he used to be, and um, they they've got to have more options available. Uh, having DJ Moore is awesome, uh, but they they've got to uh, use the draft. And one of the things is that it won't be just the draft. We can also look at free agency. There will be some people available in free agency. Number one, ding, 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 T. Higgins. Please go get T. Higgins. I don't know why we wouldn't want to do that. Um, I think uh, he would be an awesome addition. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, T. Higgins and DJ Moore would be pretty elite. Yeah, I know. I seriously, and the thing is, is that he will. Um, it he was franchised, so I don't know. Um, I don't know how they'll try and hold on to him because I don't think they have the money to do so. Um, yeah, there's 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 other good options too. Isn't isn't Pittman available from the Colts? There's Pittman. a couple of really really big names that are going to be out there. Yeah. Now, you know, obviously some of those people are going to get re-signed and some of them will be franchised, but um, 
it won't be like last year where cesspool was the only thing that was available. <laughs> I was gonna, I was, I was gonna say, uh, go uh, trade for George Pickens. What could go wrong? Up, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pick up a highly talented, disgruntled Steelers wide receiver. What, what could go wrong there? So uh, we'll go ahead and jump over to the power rankings. Um, the uh, additional on the power rankings this week was um, the NFL uh, Nation reporters found one stat, good or bad, that each team is number one in. And it says even the Carolina Panthers are number one in something. So, um, the number one team this week is the San Francisco 49ers. They're number one in point differential. I am a big fan of point differential. I think it is a high indicator of the uh, total success of the team. And um, I think that usually the team that has the higher point differential is usually the winner. Um, I think that it's a good indication of how far that the uh, Niners are going to go, and I wouldn't doubt that they end up in the uh, the conference championship, at least at, at this point. Yeah, I mean, they, you'd, you'd have a hard time making a case for anybody else in the NFC right now. I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs, and, you know, with a couple of injuries, who knows, but they're clearly the best team in the conference, so I would not be at all surprised if we're watching them on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Uh, the Lions are first, uh, they're at number six, um, they're number one in percentage of plays with five pass catchers in pass routes. Um, it makes sense. Detroit would attack with five pass catchers, 70.5% of passing plays. Wow. How many how many of how many of those involve a fullback like Kyrie Blossom? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Man. I've heard that's, I've heard that's a great it. strategy. <laughs> uh let's see here. Um the next team is the Minnesota Vikings, uh at number 18, and what are they number one in? Blitz, of course. I think yeah. everybody knows that. Uh, sent five or more pass rushers on 45.7% of dropbacks. League average, 26%. So, I, 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 you know, we've said it before on the show, I still would be very surprised if Flores is there next year, but... But then again, somebody has to step up and want to take a defensive coordinator as their head coach. I don't think Bears fans right now are, are real real hype on that. So, um, uh, Number 21 is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they're number one at being the youngest team in the NFL. I knew that they were uh, in the top five. I did not read uh, realize they're number one. Um, they have, it says... Uh, 25-year-old quarterback Jordan Love has 25 touchdown passes and 24 have been to players with two or few two or fewer years of NFL experience. Wow. Um, yeah, that's uh, they, not for us, but it's a cool stat. Yeah, and well, we got to see. I mean, 
Uh, I still, while I think Love is a decent quarterback, we'll have to see how um, how things proceed for him because he. I, I certainly don't think he's on the level of twelve. Um, so where are the Bears at? I would have to guess that we're moving back down. Probably what, like twenty seventh, twenty eighth. No, at 24th. They fell from 23 to 24, so um, they're number one in takeaways since week 11. (laughs) All right. Nice cherry pick stat. The Bears have 14 takeaways since week 11, including 12 interceptions, uh, both of which lead the NFL. Super cherry pick. Um, But, I mean, obviously... uh, that's still awesome that that's happened. Um, uh, the Bears only I mean, have that's, six. That's inter- another thing. That's another thing when you talk about how well the defense is played. Like, a part of that is they're getting an unsustainable amount of turnovers. So, yeah, just you got to bear that in mind. Yeah, um, they've only they only had six interceptions up to week ten. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a there's a big difference there. Obviously, um, Montez Sweat has a um, has a lot to do with that, and uh, you know that it's great that they they made that trade and uh, they have him signed. Um, now they just need to find uh, somebody to play opposite him. Um, there are uh, some very viable candidates uh, in that will go in the first round uh, this year. And uh, I guess it's very this uh, the uh, the draft is gonna have uh, a few guys there at the top, and then the drop off is pretty steep after that. So uh, yeah, hopefully they're looking at using one of those t- one of the top picks uh, on a pass rusher. Um, there is of course talk uh, that one of those top picks though still might be for a left tackle. Um, however, uh, outside of Fashionu and Alt, who are the two top tackle uh, selections, uh, I guess that drop off is pretty steep as well. So, yeah, it is. But I mean, the Bears will be in range for one of them. Maybe it depends what happens with these last three. If they lose out, which I think is unlikely but possible, the worst they'd be picking is five. If they win one more, they'll probably still be picking in the top eight, I would think. Yeah. But you know, every game you win, you get bumped back several spots, and the likelihood of one of those elite left tackle prospects being there goes down. You said something while we were going through that I kind of wanted to pick your brain on. So you mentioned Flores as a likely head coaching candidate. And another candidate that there's a lot of rumors around is Mike Tomlin. And I, I think we've talked at length, you know, about how we're on the record as we want an offensive coach, but there is going to be a lot of noise around those two if Tomlin gets let go or traded or whatever. Like, what would be your thoughts on either of those candidates compared to uh, up-and-coming offensive coordinator? Well, uh, Mike Tomlin, I I personally don't have any interest, um, and that's only that's only because um, he has been at Pittsburgh for so long. 
uh, for him to immediately jump ship uh, in what is a, what in what is essentially a demotion. Um, because the thing is, is that I mean, when you've been when you've had that long of a tenure at one coaching spot, and now you're suddenly you're fired, and you've got to go and get a job at someplace else that's a lateral move. That's I mean, in the regular business world, you don't want to be able to you don't want to do that. But I, I think if Tomlin gets fired by Pittsburgh, um, I think his best bet is probably to step away from coaching at least for a year. Um, so he can reevaluate yeah. what he wants to do. Uh, Flores, I I kind of like that idea, and I've kind of liked it in the past. But the problem is, is that I don't buy the defensive coordinator head coach formula anymore. I don't buy it, and the reason is, is because you always end up in the exact same situation we're in right now. Either your offensive coordinator does really good and then he gets stolen by another team to become a head coach, or you end up with an offensive coordinator like Luke Getze, who's not doing his job, who's going to be fired anyway, and then you have a defensive coach that you have to go find another offensive coordinator for. And we've already done that with Lovey Smith. So it doesn't work. We need to... I was... I'll admit it. I was one of the people that was excited about Matt Nagy, even though I did highly at the time, I remember highly questioning the fact that he didn't have a lot of experience coming into that role. Uh, but uh, I still was excited from the fact that he, he had played quarterback before. Um, I thought that that would be a good thing. I thought we would have a quarterback whisperer there. I actually kind of thought that when we hired Mike Mark Trussman, even though I thought somebody was doing drugs when they made that decision, and not very good drugs either. You know, so I mean, you know, the thing is, is that to me, this decision has to again come down to an offensive mind who has some. Uh, foundation to stand on that they can go, you know what? We believe that this is the guy that's going to work with our new quarterback. And the quarterback is the most important person, uh, the most important position on the team. And he is going to work with that individual to come up with a cohesive way of scoring points. Just like you have said about 10 times. That is what we have to look for. That is the success that has been shown for the last decade in the NFL at winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I'm I'm with you on Tomlin. Obviously, he's a very accomplished coach, but I think especially over the last five years, he's been pretty mediocre. Um Flores, I'd have a bit more interest in just because I think that's someone that got screwed out of their last opportunity and would come in here guns blazing, trying to prove a point to the rest of the NFL. But I'm with you. I, I, I want the next Sean McVay. Yeah. And I think they, they got the framework right with Matt Nagy. It just didn't work. But young offensive genius, right? Not that Matt Nagy... He, turned out not to be a genius but that was the thought when they hired him is let's yeah. get this quarterback guru in here and let's get this offense humming and it didn't work but i would like to see them go back to someone along those same lines so i'm, I'm with you um 
you know, uh, you and I have talked about, uh, um, uh, what is his name? Ben Johnson from, uh, from Detroit. Right. Um, and you know, to me, you got to look hard at that guy. He's made Jared Goff look great. Uh, you know, uh, the, he's made Detroit's offense look great, which is an oxymoron. (laughs) Right. You know, so, uh, you have to find someone that that is going to be able to drive the ship with the captain of the ship. And while I 100% agree with you on Flores, um, I just, I don't believe that that person can be the defensive guy anymore. I just... I understand that there's people out there right now that are proving me wrong. And, okay, that's great. But as a Bears fan, we've seen it for long enough. It has to change. Because here we were, we were hoping to see the same thing when Eberflus got hired. And they went against the grain. And they went right back to what they used to do. And here we are again, two, just two years later, and the offense still looks like garbage. Uh, uh, Once again, Bears fans saying, man, the defense looks pretty good, but we got no offense. It's done. The defense looks good, and you're five and ten or whatever. Like, it's just, it's, I, I agree, it's not good enough. You know, um, and and, uh, a big part of that has to be looking, I'm hoping that Poles is looking at the fourth quarters of of every game of the last two years. Because what he's seeing is garbage. It's flaming garbage, okay? And that's, it's just not good enough. You, you You can't lose three games in one year where you have double digit leads. And then you get blanked. You, you, you just can't do that, you know. There were a couple of pretty spectacular collapses last year, too. People forget those because there was a uh, lost season. But yeah. they were leading in a couple of games and just completely choked them away, too. So, yeah, there's more than enough sample size that this team just, for whatever reason, falls apart late in the game. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it you can go ahead and... And, and break it down if you want. But to me, just looking at it as a whole, it's just not, it's like you said, it's just not good enough. And uh, there's a unique opportunity. And that's how you got to, you, for, um, for all the things that are said, this is a win now league. And it's been that way for a while. And at some point, Poles is looking at this and, and saying, you know what, I have a responsibility as the general manager uh, to make this into a winning organization, and it's not happening. And I, 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 there's no way that he looks at that team and goes, well, if we, if we add a couple of more pieces, maybe we'll, we'll be on the right track. It's just not possible to look at it that way. No, I agree. And look, if you, if you, Get better coaching in here, and if you upgrade at the right positions, like this, could be a ten-win team next year. Could be, like it's especially with the last play schedule. I mean, look at some of the teams that are going to make the playoffs. 
Yep. You don't have to be that good to win a lot of games in the regular season. I mean, like the NFC playoff picture right now includes the Vikings, the Buccaneers, like the Packers, the Rams. Like these are all pretty mediocre teams. So beatable. The Bears aren't that. Yeah, and look, if they ran it back and just added a couple of a couple a couple picks and brought back Ibrahimovic and Fields and Getzey, like. Sure. Could they win nine games next year and make a wild card? Absolutely. But that's not the goal. The goal is to be San Francisco, where teams are shaking going out to play them because they know they're going to get their ass kicked. Yeah. And that's and it, what you want. And you know, you were this talking coach about not doing it. Yeah. You, and one thing I wanted to interject there is, you know, you were talking about um, about it's all a matter. It, it, it's a matter of perspective because – uh, in that Cleveland game, um, when you look at this year, really they have one quality win. That was the Detroit mm-hmm. game. Is is one one quality win? Because um, the the Cleveland game, you look at. The, I, I was reading about all of the people that were missing from that team going into that game. Uh, yep. I mean, they had like ten starters that were not playing. <laughs> yeah, their fourth string quarterback. Down there. <laughs> they were, we were playing against a guy who was on the couch a week ago. <laughs> and Rando's starting an offensive tackle on both sides. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like you said. Yeah, they have a really good defense. Even though, the, oh, by the way, there was people, there was pieces missing there too. Um, it, it's just, it's just not good enough. Uh, they. They have to, um, they have to look at at the at the, the they have to make the hard choices, um, and they, you know obviously they're not going to be popular with everybody, but you know that's what the that's what the management's there for. Yep. Uh, should we go around the division quick? Yep. Uh, let's see here. Um, the first on the list: Detroit at Minnesota. And it looks like uh, that is on the matchup predictor, sixty-one to thirty-nine in favor of Detroit. What do you see? Uh, well, I mean, the Vikings are a mess, and I mean, they could not have had more opportunities to win that game last week against the Bengals. And just Nick Mullins, just nope. man, I. I I thought that he would be competent, but just some of those turnovers were just clown stuff. So I have a hard time picking the Vikings to win any game with him as their starter. Um, Detroit played pretty well next week. I would pick them to come to Minnesota and win. And I know Goff doesn't do well against the Blitz, and Flores likes to Blitz, but the Vikings quarterback situation is just so bad. I think Detroit gets this one done. Yeah, uh, agreed on all that. Um, it will be interesting to watch what happens with Minnesota in the offseason because their quarterback woes are more serious. Um, and then uh, looks like, uh, however, I definitely do not want Justin Fields to go play in Minnesota. <laughs> nope, nope, um, nope, nope. The uh, Green Bay at Carolina. Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's you like know what? It's interesting. Good. It's only Green Bay by four. 
I mean, they've not played very well the last couple weeks. They lost uh, the Giants and then got blown out somehow by Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. And yeah. God, not only did Art Smith screw us in Survivor, but now we have to sweat Panthers games for the rest of the year. Yeah. Because if the, if the Panthers win one more, then they could very easily end up with the, the second two. pick. But yeah. So we, we as Bears fans really need the Packers to go down there and take care of business and get on the right track this week. And I think they will. I mean, Carolina is just so bad. Uh, Atlanta, it, if, if they had a coach that had any wherewithal whatsoever and a quarterback that wasn't just completely incompetent, they would have beaten the Panthers by 20 points. And Atlanta is just a clown show right now. But I think Green Bay, even though they're not playing well, has enough to go down there and beat Carolina. God, the Falcons. Oh, my God. You really got to look at your team when you are playing the worst team in the NFL and you can only score seven points, and you get beat you know, by must, you get beat by allowing three field goals. Yeah, in a must-win game for you too. I mean, they're they're basically eliminated from the playoffs now. Yeah, that the, there's uh, some big question marks going on with that organization. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't have to get into it too much. Uh, but, let's see. Um, and then uh, finally us. Arizona. Uh, I mean, I want the Bears to lose this game for draft position and because I think it would increase the likelihood of moving on from this coaching staff. I have a hard time seeing it. The, pan- the, the Cardinals are just so bad. Uh, their defense can't do anything. I, I think that Fields should put up 30 points this game. Now we've said that before and it hasn't happened, but Arizona's defense doesn't do anything well. I, I think the Bears should be able to score here. The only thing I worry about is like after a loss like last week where you had been talking about going on a playoff run and you lose like that, like does the wind kind of get let out of the sails? But I don't know. The Bears locker room seems pretty professional, pretty motivated. I think they'll show up and I think they'll beat the Cardinals, but I hope they don't because it would be nice to have the fifth pick in the draft. <laughs> yeah, um, agreed. Uh, the matchup predictor has the Bears 62%. Um, I think that uh, the uh, line is Bears by four. I think the Bears do get it together. Like you said, I do think they put some points on the board. I I would pick uh, Justin Fields to probably have a good game. Um, all of it meaningless uh you know yeah, the, the bears the bears winning games like this it's like bad team coming to town would benefit the organization way more to lose but they win these games and you know Ibrufloos is trying to add every win he can to his resume to try to bolster the argument that he should keep his job and i mean i just think the Bears are better, especially the way the defense is playing. And if they show up and if they don't quit on Eberflus, which I don't think they will, I think they win this game. And that's too bad, honestly, because that's going to bump them up a couple spots in the draft. And I think they've got a pretty good likelihood of beating Atlanta, maybe even Green Bay. So I think they're going to tack on a couple of meaningless wins toward the end of the season, and we're going to be picking, like, 11th. And, you know, 
that would that's suck. still yeah having having two picks in the top 12 or whatever it's still pretty good but it'd be a whole lot better if they find a way to lose these last three games yeah so we'll see what happens yeah well maybe they can uh spike themselves so <laughs> you know uh, it, whatever uh it, it would be it would be nice to see them lose this game and then i i of course would love to see him beat the Packers just because well it's the Packers. So well, I'd like to I'd like to see him beat Art Smith because yeah I'm planning I'm planning a wedding here and that guy cost me a bunch of money he, by losing to the Falcons or the losing to the Panthers and getting us knocked out of our I just eliminator pool. I cannot believe that that happened but well, uh, we did have a really good run, but uh, I certainly did not expect them to only score seven points against the Carolina Panthers. When it was when it got to the when it got to the fourth quarter, and I saw that we still only had seven points, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> well, they were in like they were in the red zone, I think, with like seven minutes to go, uh, seven to six. And Ritter threw, like, one of the worst interceptions I think I've ever seen in an NFL game. (laughs) And when that happened, I was like, we're destined to lose this game. Like, we trusted the brain-dead team with the clueless coach and the crappy quarterback and the loser defense. And, yeah, like you said, we had a good run. We knew that we were making kind of a flimsy pick and – the other couple of teams we talked about picking lost too. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> is what it is. Um, yeah. Still make it to the final, I think, 11 of seven, 1,700 people. Yeah. Good good job by you and me. So, yeah. Yeah. Arthur Smith is forever on my shit list. I will take great joy in him getting fired after this year. <laughs> and then he's going to make... He's going to make millions of dollars to sit on a beach and drink margaritas and enjoy his life. So he's laughing all the way to the bank, but still, screw that guy. Yeah, screw that guy. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, that, that, uh, that, that was a, a really tough week. And, I'm, well, I'm, I, you know, it, it, it was at least a little interesting. And it made me feel a little bit better that all of our picks lost because it was like, I mean, it was it was kind of an upset week, um, yeah. you know. And we knew going into the game, uh, into the weekend, it was going to be a tough one to pick anyway. So yeah, um, but the team yeah, we should have picked was the team we should have picked was the Saints. But you know the way the Giants have been playing and the way the Saints play every week. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. That didn't feel safe, and we weren't going to use Buffalo against Dallas, I don't think. So, like, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you play the hand you're dealt. And look, I, I, I think like 99 times out of 100, the Falcons win that game. We were just on the wrong side of it, and it happens. You know, that I, I, I don't feel like we got screwed because we picked a bad team. Like, the people that got knocked out a couple weeks ago, for example, because the Jaguars lost to Jake Browning at home, <laughs> like those people got screwed way worse than us. So, right. you know, we'll we'll take it and we'll be back next year. Yeah. And lesson learned: don't pick Art Smith ever. Do <laughs> Well, uh, that's it for uh, this week. Um, pre- appreciate you guys uh, tuning in, and uh, Merry Christmas to uh, everybody out there. And 
Yeah, Merry Christmas. I hope you find something better to do on Christmas Eve than watch the Bears. Yeah. So we'll, we'll watch him so you don't have to. Yep. All right, bear down.